Welcome, welcome, welcome back once again. Today is allegedly Monday, August 16th. I hope your summer is going smoothly as we're coming to a close. This is the Alcast, the Ottawa Valley's number one football and fighting podcast. We've been dipping our toes into the world of some other sports as well, but you know, we mostly stay on the gridiron, in the octagon, and in the ring. But this is episode 50, y'all. Ooh, we made it. End of season two. On our way to season three, going to have some new cover art for the pod up there. I uh, just filmed a new vlog for the Outcast YouTube channel called Running and Raging last week as I'm training for my half marathon. You can go check that out there. And uh, yeah, I appreciate y'all, all the new listeners, all the new subscribers. This is what we do, man. So without further ado, let's jump into the world of mixed martial arts and the UFC primarily. As we've seen a little Bellator dibbling and dabbling going on here and there. They had a decent card there uh, a couple weeks back with uh, AJ McKee dethroning Pitbull Freite and whatnot. And the PFL is still underway. I think we're just starting to see some of the winners of that million dollar tournament come to fruition. I saw some headline about uh, some guy who is in a disputed decision on the bad end of a bad decision which would suck if the uh, the grand prize is for a million dollars and you don't really know what the runner-up there gets. I hadn't heard what the uh, the contracts look like over there in the PFL, but I imagine it's a substantial difference. And if you're on the bad end of a decision in that kind of um, prize differential, it's bad enough in the UFC when there's a win bonus where you essentially get paid uh, 50% more if you win. Your win bonus is the exact same as your show money. So, say a fighter gets 50 and 50, that means 50k show, 50k win. And that would obviously be a fighter who's already had a few fights under his belt and made a bit of a name for himself making that kind of money. I think nowadays in the UFC, we see a lot of people starting out with uh, 8 and 8, 10 and 10 kind of contracts. But without further news, Further ado, should I say? I think I've said that twice now, but anyway, anywho's, uh, we've seen a little back and forth on social media between UFC welterweight champ Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare Usman, and uh, perennial um, bad boy in the news, Irish Instagram model Honor McGregor, the notorious, living up to his nickname yet again. He's thrown some shade at Usman, saying he'd love to come up there and spark him out or something along those lines and get a third title in a third weight class. Kamaru Usman firing back, saying, uh, you better keep my name out of your mouth along those lines. And if you don't stay quiet, I'm going to send Poirier, Diaz, or Habib to finish the job for me because you better keep your little ass at 155. Those are my words at the end, not his. But everyone should know that Connor definitely does not want the smoke with Usman. Usman's game would be tailor-built for someone like Connor, and it would be a long, well, not necessarily a long night, maybe rather short night for Connor's. I see uh, Camaro getting him against the cage and smashing him. Uh, either in the clinch or on the ground, just pressure 
and uh, ground and pound, I imagine. But you never know. You know, Connor's got that southpaw counter. Could catch Kamaru coming in, but I think 99 fights out of 100, I think Kamaru's got him all day. And that's not just because I'm a Connor hater now, but uh, <laughs> I'm not even a huge Kamaru fan, to be honest. I just put on a poll today. Someone said, Who wins in their prime, Prime GSP or Kamaru? And I said, Prime GSP all day, mate. I'm a GSP stan, fellow Canadian. You best believe it. I got my boy GSP in that one, but. I'm just saying the only success Connors had at welterweight was with another blown-up lightweight, Nate Diaz. And uh, I don't think there's too many um, legitimate-sized welterweight who are cutting down from 190, 200 pounds that uh, Connor wants anything to do with size or strength-wise in the octagon. His ideal weight, like, he's even had problems with the power with Dustin Poirier at 155 and some other guys. He got touched by Habib at 155, and, uh, you know, his last big win was Cowboy. So, you know, it is what it is, man. Uh, maybe try your luck at 145 again if you can make that cut. They seem like they couldn't handle your power down there, so I think that makes sense. But even see the top guys down there right now, Max Holloway, uh, Yair Rodriguez, they're going to be fighting soon. Obviously, um, Volkanovski and Ortega are fighting for the, the title coming up here at the end of their season of coaching on the Ultimate Fighter. 145 has got all kinds of killers, man, and Connor doesn't stay nearly as active as he used to, so these guys are staying iron sharp. And uh, There's no easy fights in either of those divisions, really, but there's still some guys in the top 10 of lightweight and featherweight I, I like. Um, Connor over, to be honest, you know, styles make fights, and he could definitely get a win over some top guys and earn his way back to a title. I just don't like this storyline of the UFC saying just because he's the biggest name in mixed martial arts still that he just gets all these automatic shots at uh, title fights. I'm fine with him being the main event of cards. Obviously, he's a pay-per-view draw, but he doesn't really deserve all these title uh shots or number one contender matches per se i don't even think he cares about a title anymore he's uh, he's a money guy he's a fight guy but he's a he's a money guy at the end of the day speaking of lightweights habib Nur nurma gamadov there i didn't totally mangle his name i just had to take it slow signed a pro football contract with i believe a russian soccer team on some kind of uh I don't know if he's going to be a brand ambassador for some there. I don't know how skilled he is at soccer, but I thought it was an interesting headline from the world of, uh, this is English football, but still it is football and fighting, the tagline of the podcast. So there you go. Habib going to try his luck out there on the field, maybe kick a few balls around, and uh, just wish him the best of luck. Good dude, Habib Nurkum. Oh, shit, bro. I can't ever get his last name right. Habib Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov. It's not even that hard, bro. It says I try and say it fast, and my tongue is stuck to my roof of my mouth like a dog with peanut butter on his mouth, and it's a gong show, but I, I don't know what I'm doing sometimes with some of these Dagestani last names and foreign names. I try my best, but it doesn't always go my way, you know? Other MMA news, Luke Rockhold is joining fighters against speaking out against the UFC, saying that there's kind of this anti-fighter sentiment that the UFC 
um, makes public all the time where they kind of slander their fighters a bit in public if their contract negotiations aren't going well, saying, you know, oh, this guy doesn't want to fight, that guy doesn't want to fight, basically implying that they're uh, cowards and this and that, but it's always just like a money thing on the fighter side. Of course, they're professional fighters, they'll take fights, but uh, he has some married ways saying, I'm not a huge Luke Rockhold guy. Uh, I think he's smartened up a little now, however you want to say it. I thought he was a little unbearable back in his UFC run at middleweight and light heavyweight. I thought he was a little delusional, some of the things he'd say in trash talk, but it's also the promotion game, I think. Maybe some of the stuff he said came across as a little cringy because he was just trying to hype up fights and maybe do a little bit of the Colby Covington thing, play the bad guy, and uh, it worked. But at the same time, uh, I got a little respect for him now that he's kind of speaking out against the UFC, like these guys like Francis Ngannou and... Um, John Jones and whatnot, who have uh, shown a little bit of distaste with how the UFC conducts business, and I'm sure there is two sides to that story, and we haven't heard the full thing just yet, but I imagine we will do. Other big fights being talked about coming up in September, obviously a, another lightweight contender matchup uh, after Michael Chandler fell short of the lightweight title against Charles de Bronx Oliveira in his last fight. He's getting a pretty quick turnaround here against uh, a guy who's been out of the octagon for a long time, but fan favorite Justin Gaethje, I believe was the last time he fought was when he fought Habib in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I think he's been out for a long time, like over a year now, I want to say. Man, that seems like forever ago, but nonetheless, that's going to be quite the fight. Both guys got knockout power, uh, wrestling credentials. You know, Gaethje's looked like unbelievable at stand-up and uh, pretty much invulnerable since teaming up with Trevor Whitman. And those guys are one of the best coach-fighter tandems on the planet at the moment. Michael Chandler, obviously no joke as well, having success against Dan Hooker in his first fight after coming over from being the Bellator champ and uh, having a lot of hype behind him going into the UFC and backing it up a little bit and coming up short against Oliveira, but Oliveira obviously is the champ now, no joke. He was riding a big win streak going into that fight, and Chandler had him hurt in the first round, if you remember that fight. Chandler did uh, stun him a little bit with some heavy shots, so Chandler's got it in him to finish anyone in the UFC's lightweight division, and that one's a bit of a toss-up fight, but I'm leaning towards Michael Chandler, uh, In <laughs> I can't see it going to decision, that would be kind of weird, maybe a second round stoppage. He'd have to put Justin Gaethje on a stretcher to get him up out of there, but he probably will. And, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a coin flip, to be honest, because I feel it'll be one of those things with whoever lands the first big shock. It'll be night-night, but I'm edging Michael Chandler in that fight. And speaking of uh, former lightweights, welterweights, Jorge Masvidal has been out of action for a long time, but he's tweeted out that he's ready to get a new opponent after receiving his last pay-per-view money from the UFC in that big fight he had against Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title didn't go his way, getting knocked out in the second round, big right hand from Kamaru Usman, sending him to bed. And uh, it's going to be interesting for him at welterweight now because 
I'm just wondering, he's had fights with a lot of guys in the UFC welterweight division, but um, fighting guys like Stephen Thompson, obviously he had that huge flying knee KO of Ben Askren that kind of star-rocketed him into the rankings. I'm just pulling up the welterweight rankings here, trying to play um, a little matchmaker. Let's see. So we got obviously Usman and Covington will be fighting for the welterweight title coming up here, and Gilbert Burns. He's just coming off a win against Stephen Thompson recently. Maybe Gilbert Burns Masvidal can make some sense, but I feel like Gilbert Burns now might want to fight uh, Leon Edwards after he had that little back and forth with Nate Diaz winning the first four rounds, but then taking that hard shot at the end from Nate Diaz, putting him on Queer Street for a second. Uh, I'm sure Edwards could also hold out for a title shot with the record he's put together as well. Vincente Luque's moved up a couple spots after his Darce choke, was it, yeah, Darce choke, some kind of choke that he had over Michael Chiesa at welterweight. Masvidal's already got a good win over Chiesa. One of his first fights in the octagon. Uh, yeah, maybe Vincente Luque Masvidal. That could make sense, you know. Uh, Neil Magny could make sense. He's ranked a little below Masvidal. Masvidal's ranked 6th. Magny's ranked 8th. But it might be a good fight to get him back up in there. The similar style with strikers like Vincente Luque or Neil Magny. You know, Bilal Muhammad, Jeff Neal, some other names. Santiago Ponzibio. Oh, man, he's only ranked 13th. I guess he's had a bit of a back and forth, but I thought he'd be ranked a little higher. He's had some impressive fights, impressive victories. He's shown a lot of grit in there. I'm a big Santiago Ponzibio rider. Rider dire. Anyways, yeah, I threw out a few names. I'd like to see... Masvidal Ponzinibbio, I think that'd be a great fight. I think Masvidal Neil Magny would be a great fight, or Masvidal Luque would be a great fight. There you go. There's some fights for you to chomp on. Uh, quick shout out to Killer B MMA. That's for the boys. She's a good Instagram follow. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> that was literally like my only note. Just Killer B MMA with a little heart beside it. You know, for your Thirsty Thursday, Women Crush Wednesdays. Mike Perry, Kevin Lee have had a little back and forth after Kevin Lee's opponent fell out recently for a fight coming up in September. Uh, he was looking for an opponent, calling out everyone on the roster pretty much. Anyone with balls, he said, could come fight him. And he said Mike Perry turned him down, even though Mike Perry seems like he... he talks the talk most of the time but he wasn't anywhere to be seen there he said he wouldn't be ready for that date so i think kevin lee is fighting daniel rodriguez i believe who is someone i'm not overly familiar with i'll see if his record will um pop up here if i type in kevin lee i don't know who daniel rod oh no he's fighting sean brady or Sean Brady, the guy who got pulled from that card. No, you see, here it is. Fights on tap. Kevin Levers, Daniel Rodriguez. So I think Sean Brady must have been his opponent that got pulled out there. Daniel Rodriguez steps in to fight Kevin Lee on 
UFC Fight Night Barboza vs. Chikadze. Shit. I have no idea who that guy is, though, man. I can't give you a prediction. Though I think Kevin Lee, if the other guy's a short-notice fighter, but who knows? I gotta do my research on him. Uh, shout out the Ageless Wonder, Jose Aldo. I think I talked about him on the last podcast game that went over Munoz, but I've just been watching some Jose Aldo this week. Been mad impressed with him, man. I was thinking he's just such an OG of the division now. From featherweight to bantamweight and carrying his success, being ranked top 10, top 5 in two different divisions is no easy feat. And just want to give, you know, give the roses while they're here to Jose Aldo. Uh, shout out Yuri Proishka, uh, the light heavyweight who I've watched a lot of film on recently. Watched a little mini documentary on his path to the UFC and his UFC career today. Shout out to uh, Elite Fight Club on YouTube. They make a lot of really good fight content. And I really enjoyed their piece on Yuri Proishka and his uh, philosophy about fighting and his approach to it. I think he's definitely going to be the next light heavyweight champion i know i'm a big jan blockowicz guy as well and i'm not sure if he'll beat him in their first fight but i have a feeling he'll beat him at some point and be a long reigning uh champion at light heavyweight but yuri proishka has also been around the block he had quite the career and risen and before the ufc as well he's been in some fights man let me tell you you could go down a nice yuri proishka rabbit hole for a while and another big fight coming up to round out the MMA news is Derek Brunson versus Darren Till was announced for September 4th, which I believe could be happening over in the UK if they can fill stadiums up over there. If not, I'm sure the UFC will just have it back stateside or maybe another one of these fights out in uh, Saudi Arabia. But that's an interesting fight, I thought, too, because Derek Brunson is almost a blown-up Tyron Woodley, like a, a middleweight Tyron Woodley, and it's really going to show how much Till's game has evolved since that Tyron Woodley fight, because he's going up against another elite wrestler grappler with a big right hand, so we're going to see, and this is this fight just seems like do or die for Till a little bit for his career, like they, the UFC's really been trying to give him a chance here to earn his shot at Israel Adesanya's, the fans have been wanting that fight for a long time, and even Adesanya spoke about wanting that fight. Darren Till's got to put a couple wins together to, for it to make sense, and if he can get by Brunson here and do it impressively, he might just earn himself a shot at Israel Adesanya, because his fight with Whitaker was pushed back a bit, but once he gets through Whitaker, the division's pretty much been cleaned out recently by him, and a Darren Till fight might make a lot of sense right around there if he can get rid of Derek Brunson here early September. I'm edging Till in that fight as well. I think he will should be able to stop Brunson in the second round, but I've bet on Till before. I think I bet on Till in the Whitaker fight. I lost some money on him, so Till, you owe me 25 bucks, bro. Send it, send it your boy's way. I need it more than you. Trust me. Uh... <laughs> Let's go over to the world of boxing. Man, we're already running long here on episode 50. I apologize, you guys. It might be a bit of a long one today, but we'll try and run through these pretty quick. There's not as much boxing in NFL news and other stuff going on this week anyways. So 
talking some boxing. We got Manny Pacquiao versus your Dennis Ugas now after Errol Spence pulled out of their fight with a torn retina training injury. So Pac is now moved to the favorite in that fight, I believe, minus 250 or 350. Uh, should get Ugas up out of there as a late replacement. Uh, but we'll see, you know, the ageless wonder Manny Pacquiao's got to pull off some more magic now. Big change of style in those two opponents. Obviously, probably an easier fight than Errol Spence. Well, definitely an easier fight than Errol Spence. So look for Manny Pacquiao to potentially get a stoppage here. I'd bet on him by, you know, before the end of round eight, let's say, for Pacquiao to get Ugas up out of there. Muhammad Ali's grandson recently began his boxing career successfully TKing his opponent early on in the fight and uh, wearing trunks that his dad gave him or his granddad excuse me gave him as a gift so exciting stuff to see the uh, the bloodlines continue in boxing it seems like very common in the sport really guys like Connor Ben and Eubank Jr. obviously um, what's his name there the Mexican who's just lost to Anderson Silva in his last fight. I can't remember. A little less successful. He also fought Canelo Alvarez. Why can't I think of his name? He fought Daniel Jacobs. Ah, uh, what's his name? I can picture what he looks like. I can picture what his dad looks like. Oh, man. I'm having a brain fart there. Y'all know who I'm talking about probably. But the point being that lots of boxers' sons also fight after their dads. <laughs> uh, Joshua Boatze got an 11th round KO over Richard Belot Richard Belotniks over in the UK on a matchroom boxing card. Zelfa Barrett picked up another win on the same card, looking impressive. Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz was announced. For a Triller fight card later on in the year, I believe that's the same card as Oscar De La Hoya, Vitor Belfort, if I'm not mistaken. That might be on the undercard, I think. Uh, ben Connor Ben versus Adrian Granados has been rebooked for the first part of September after Connor Ben had a positive COVID test for their first fight that was supposed to happen last, uh, two weekends ago now. And... David Hay has announced his comeback for one of these Triller cards as well, going up against uh, Fournier. David Hay, a heavy favorite in that fight, despite it being, I think, 40 or 41 years old. But the other guy not having much of a boxing pedigree as well. I'm not even really sure who Fournier is, but I think David Hay has just been slapped onto that card's undercard for name value and bringing more pay-per-view buys in from the UK. A smart move on. Uh, trailers part I suppose and other boxing odds I thought were interesting was that Josh Anthony Joshua is only a minus 275 favorite which I thought actually might be more than that for his bout with Alexander Usyk from the Ukraine September 25th and those are good odds man I thought he'd be a minus 500 or so because uh Usyk's had a lot of trouble with dealing with the size of heavyweights from the start of his first couple heavyweight fights against, um, I can't remember the name of the first man he fought, but after that, Derek Chisora in his last fight was throwing him all over the ring early on and bullying him around and 
giving him all kinds of problems. It seemed like any time he even caught a punch on the arm, sometimes it would send him halfway across the ring. So I'd put some money on Joshua at minus 275 a few guys because he's even stronger than Chisora and got better technique and much higher knockout ratio as well. And I don't think Usyk's got the size to stop a guy like Joshua from putting him away relatively early. I see Joshua getting him up out of there before the sixth round. Respect to Usyk, though. He has a great legacy at cruiserweight, and I'm a fan of the guy. Uh, how he conducts himself outside the ring seems like a fun guy, good personality, he's good for the sport. One of the best legacies at cruiserweight, if not the best of all time, unified cruiserweight world champion. Uh, good IG follow as well. <laughs> Let's bounce over to the NFL. Uh, Lamar's contract still being holding out for the Ravens, making me all kinds of nervous, especially after the Bills managed to sign Josh Allen to a long-term deal. Really like the Ravens to lock him down before the start of the season, but I don't know if we'll get that. I know if he goes to free agency, we'll probably lose him, man. We'll probably the Dolphins or one of these Florida teams. Uh, a warm climate team will probably get him up out of there. He's a young guy. He might want to go to like Atlanta or Florida, or South. He, it's hard, man. Like Baltimore's never been the best city to attract free agents or sign guys to long-term contracts because, <clears throat> you know, there's just more attractive destinations out there, let's say. But I'm really hoping we can get this deal done with Lamar and get him signed to a five, six-year kind of contract. Max him out, man. Just pay the kid. Shit, you just got to pay the kid, bro. Um, I bounced all over the place here. I missed that there was a good Canadian boxing card on September 11th coming out in uh, Cape Breton, I believe, or New Brunswick somewhere. Three Lines Promotions is putting it out, so check that out on social media. You can find Three Lines Promotions um, on Instagram and YouTube as well. Canadian cruiserweight champion Ryan Roziki, 13-0, will be fighting on that card and looking to secure another knockout against probably his toughest fight to date, I believe, uh, Eastern European champion named Dukar. And uh, that should be a great fight. And look for Roziki to get another knockout and move his name into the uh, talks of the world contenders at cruiserweight. Very excited for that. Going back to football, we have uh, Pat McAfee has placed a $30,000 bet on def division winners. He made a parlay of all the division winners in the NFL, so I thought it'd be a good idea to uh, pick my own and give you guys what the odds are on those. So I have the Pats to win their division at plus 350, Ravens to win the AFC North at plus 115, the Colts to win their division at plus 140, the Chiefs to win their division at minus 280, Cowboys plus 110, Packers at minus 150, Bucks minus 200, Los Angeles Rams at plus 187. Yeah, if you missed any of those, just rewind this 30 seconds and play it back. Write them down and make yourself some money. You put those together in a parlay, it's plus 47,464, meaning you put $20 on that 18 parlay, you could potentially make $9,512.94. Don't tell 
me. I didn't tell you. I have good luck when I bet on football, bro. I do way better betting on football than I do at fighting. So take it for what it is. You know, bet responsibly. I'm not telling you to gamble. I'm just saying if you already do, take it into consideration. That's all. Bum, bum, bum. Burrow, Joe Burrow, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, still in a heavy knee brace. A little nervous for him this season. Uh, he's in a hard division to play defensively. And uh, I really hope the Bengals O-line does a better job of protecting him this year if he's nervous about that knee, which he's kind of talked about. Obviously, a lot of rookie quarterbacks getting their start this year. We've seen uh, Trey Lance throwing some balls around out there. Justin Fields uh, for the Bears. Mac Jones for the Patriots. Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars. And I believe Trey Lance is for the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. Apologies, Trey Lance. I'm having a brain fart today. But I was wondering who's going to do the best out of those four quarterbacks. And I was thinking of their offensives, their O-lines. Um, I'm leaning towards Mac Jones, actually. A lot of people would say Trevor Lawrence as he was the first overall pick. But the Jaguars, they got a new coach that I like. But I think Mac Jones, the Patriots, really did a good job in free agency in the draft this year. So I think he's going to do the best out of those rookie quarterbacks. And obviously I, I predicted the, the Patriots to come back and win their division over the Bills and Dolphins this year. So I got a little faith in the Patriots aren't as done as a lot of people think they are. You can't count them out, man. They were a dynasty for a reason. They're a well-run organization, and Bill Belichick is still one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, I think that'll about cover the show today. We're running a little long. This will be an episode 50 of the Yalcast. I appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. All the new listeners, all the new subscribers. Um, we'll be back next week covering all the boxing and MMA going down this weekend, as well as any more NFL news leading up to the start of the season in September. Uh, you know... <sighs> What's what? What do I always say at the end here? I always talk about throwing spinning elbows like Yuri Proshka on the haters that you run into, or putting the truck stick down and the spin moves on the people standing in your way, like your J.K. Dobbins. I tell you to go check out my Instagram at Alex Adams with a three instead of an E and a five instead of an S, and of course follow me on YouTube as well at the Alcast over there. Anyways, you you guys have yourselves a good week, and uh, I'll see you next time. Peace.